our top five most common information governance challenges that we found at client organizations. Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts, a podcast created by Trailblazer Consulting. Here we highlight proven solutions developed through our experience working with companies across various industries, and we talk about how you can apply these solutions to your company. We share our experience solving information management challenges, like creating and implementing a records retention schedule, creating an asset data hierarchy, or helping with email management. This is Lee, and in this episode, Moore and I will share our top five most important, most incredible information governance challenges that we have seen at client organizations. How do you like that introduction, Maura? <laughs> okay, I hope we can meet that hype. So what I would say about these top five things that we're going to talk about today, just as a general introduction, is they are common. I think we've seen all of them in every organization we've worked for. And they can be tricky. There's a lot of different places you can go with them. Every company has their own spin on it. <laughs> Are they exciting? That remains to be seen. <laughs> so what's the first one, Lee? All right. Focusing only on paper and paper retention. That's a key piece because here your organization may have a records retention schedule, but it only takes care of a subset like paper related items. And they think about records management as just paper in a box stuffed away in storage somewhere. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think we see that everywhere we go. And I have some theories about it. My first theory is Paper is so easy compared to electronic information. So it's right in front of you. It's taking up space in the office. You can't open the file drawers. You're tripping over boxes. Then you can pick it up and you can ship it off to offsite storage. So it's very concrete. <laughs> electronic information is on your hard drive. It's on a server. It's in the cloud. You can't see it. You don't know how much is out there. It's impossible to fathom how those numbers, the size of file servers and storage. So that's my first theory. It's almost like it's somebody else's problem, right? If it's in your office and sitting on top of your desk, you have to take care of it. If it's on your computer, well, that's IT's problem. They can deal with that. <laughs> that is so true. People, that is absolutely true. I think that's a great corollary to my concrete problem <laughs> picture. The other thing I think about paper records is the word record just conjures up musty boxes in a basement. And a lot of people, no matter how old or young, think when you say the word record, they think that's about paper. I don't deal with that. I don't have any paper. I don't have any records. We've heard that a lot too. Absolutely. So, so what does that mean when we talk about the challenges here for information governance? To me, there's two, two big things. One is that paper that's been in a box or in the corner or sent off site storage, nobody is using that. It hardly even meets the definition of a record anymore. Because when you think about our definition of a record that we've talked about multiple times, it's a set of data 
that is evidence of a transaction and that you rely on to complete a business process or do your business. So when you're sitting at your desk and you're looking for something, most of the time you're looking on your hard drive, on the server, or our second favorite place, email. Um, I think that we're, we're leading into that challenge soon, but you don't even go to the boxes. Who very rarely do you have people who are like, oh, I have to go to a file cabinet and find a piece of paper. So if you're not depending on it, if you're not using that information to actually do your business process, that paper is actually just a copy. And you're spending all your resources on managing copies in offsite storage, both time and money, and neglecting your actual records. So that to me is like so funny in a in a sort of dark, twisted kind of way from a records management, you know, gallows humor perspective is the word record conjures up these musty boxes. And yet our goal is actually to actively support business. Those paper records are no longer supporting business. They're just easier to manage. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I think if you're if your retention schedule wasn't created within the last 10 years, it was probably created by going around the office and doing an inventory of physical file cabinets, boxes, writing down what records, what information was kept in those file cabinets and boxes and so forth. And then people went to do research on how long we should keep X, Y, and Z that we found. And so those kind of retention schedules are way too detailed. It is. And when you get to the electronic versions of those documents, that kind of detailed schedule is impossible to follow. It was hard enough to follow in paper, but you did have an advantage, had a couple of advantages back when paper was king, which was the detailed retention schedule was based on how you organized the paper folders. And you couldn't put very many things in any folder because it overflowed and you also used those folder file folder labels as how you, that was your main index for how you found things. So you had to have those level of detail. You also often had file clerks who were responsible for putting things in the folders, in the drawers, then in the file room, and then in offsite storage. No organization we've been in lately has file clerks anymore. So you can't use that retention schedule to make it to use electronically because systems can't handle it. You don't have file clerks anymore. You're spending resources on paper copies of records that you don't even look, that you're not looking at. You're looking at the electronic versions, but it's an easy trap to fall into and we see it everywhere we go. So that is our first challenge for the day, kind of the most common thing. Yes, it does set up the rest of them. So we don't have to spend as much time on all the other ones. <laughs> so number two, most common information governance challenge that we see is neglect and sort of related, right? No, no more file administrative individuals taking care of the files and so forth. Now it's just everything is piling up and it's not just piling up in paper, it's piling up in email and it's keep everything forever mentality. Yes. I hate that. Keep everything forever. 
Email is the most common thing. You'll hear people talking about email as a filing cabinet. Actually, we're the ones who say that email as a filing cabinet. What you hear from other people, from our clients and from people across different industries is I can't live without my email. I'm in there all the time. I'm searching for things. I have to have those messages. And when you get a campaign together to start rolling email off, people freak out because that's the place they go. And those campaigns are often driven by IT and they just want it to be purely time-based or even size-based. You've, you've hit a limit on your out, you know, your exchange mailbox or whatever, which kind of ignores the record value. So there's things to do about that. And we've had other episodes where we've done, where we've talked about email retention already. So we're not going to go deeper, but that, that passive neglect, I think is what's important here. If you give people tools where they can save copies of things. So they get an email, they have an attachment, everybody on the email chain saves that attachment into their OneDrive or their Google Drive or their personal network drive or even their hard drive, or they put it on a share drive or both of those things. Um, you end up with a lot of copies, very little version control. It's hard to find the authoritative source. It's hard to know you found the right thing. And I think that takes us to our third most common problem that we see, which is when companies try and just throw some software at it. Let's get some technology in here. That'll fix it. What do you think about that? Software will solve the process problems. Yes, that is a common myth. I will put it that way. Because um, if you don't fix the core of the problem, then no automation in the world is going to fix it for you. So I completely agree. And that leads to a disconnect, right? Not only between the technology, but also what, what's happening, right? There's, there's policies that could be written, but there's also procedures that are written and maybe not followed. And people are going about doing their own workaround and causing more problems that just lead to, wait a minute, let's take a step back. Let's solve the process problem first. And then let's find the automation that fits our process. That's the right, right way to do it. Yes, technology is not the answer by itself. Technology is helpful. And once you've addressed the policy question, what are we trying to do here? And the process questions, how are we going to do it? Then you get to, okay, what's the right technology answer to help us accomplish those things? And I think that leads us nicely into the fourth one, which is one of our favorites, silos. You go into any organization and you start looking at groups that share information and you ask them, how do they share information? So HR hires new people and IT needs to set those people up with security access and access to the right systems and even hardware. Here's their new laptop or their new phone. How does HR tell IT that those people exist? How do they make sure that they get into the right security groups so they have access to the SharePoint sites or to the file shares, et cetera? Is that an automated process or is data duplicated in the HR systems and then somebody tells IT by sending an email? So then you have it in the HR system, you have it in the email, and you also have it in the IT systems where it gets re-entered. Um, that's at the very beginning of a person coming in. 
happens throughout the whole company. You might have uh, a capital project that's going on. They're building something new and there's a lot of design information and a lot of asset information. And the engineering team is all over that during the construction phase. How do they get that to the operations team? Who's going to need to maintain it? Do they, we often see, send a bunch of PDFs in books or even paper in books and then follow it up with PDFs on, used to be PDFs on a DVD. It might be PDFs on a FTP site now. Can the maintenance team use that data? No, <laughs> they have to read it and enter it into their systems. So these silos result in multiple copies of things and it's unusable information in a lot of ways. It's not that it's not there, it's there, but it's hard to get at. And that can lead to safety issues and risks, and it certainly leads to increased cost and decreased efficiencies. So, the and the last kind of twist of that is each department is naming things differently, they're organizing the information differently. And if you try and look across the whole company to find everything about a topic, it's really hard to do. And when that usually is needed is when there's a problem, when there's a lawsuit, when there's an accident, when there's an audit, and now you're defending yourself to, against some outside authority. And it's harder because there's pockets of information all over and you can't get your hands on it because it's all organized differently and named differently. And it very well may contradict each other. I think what fits into that is legacy systems as well, right? The department has a system that nobody else can tap into because it's so old, but they need to have that data. They can't get rid of it because we might need something. Just because, and then that takes us to spreadsheets. Spreadsheets, I feel are like the natural outgrowth of silos because you're pulling data from so many different places and manipulating it to try and get some cross view, cross system view, cross functional view. And then spreadsheets, just proliferate. They just grow on their own. And that takes you back to your passive neglect problem. And technology is not the answer because you got all these spreadsheets out there. We could go on about spreadsheets for an entire episode, I think, but not today. No, we need the drum roll, please. What is number five, Maura? <laughs> number five is acquisition and divestiture. If you are a company that is acquiring other companies, then you are also acquiring all of their problems with information. <laughs> so Absolutely. you've picked up the paper records, the neglect and the silos from the last three companies that you bought, plus you had your own. Now you've got, I don't know, four times as many problems. <laughs> and what if you wanna sell something? How do you find that data? How do you pick out the pieces that you need to spin off to the company that you're selling or to the, the part of your business that you're spinning off into a subsidiary? How do you find it? Think of all the migration-related issues of trying to separate data in one system or trying to combine data from multiple systems. What do you do then? How do you do it? I agree. I think this is the number one problem. It is certainly the biggest, thorniest problem. And it is one that people mostly ignore until it bites them. That will be the subject of another episode at another time. We will dive into acquisition and divestiture, but there you have it. 
the top five problems that we encounter in information governance with our clients. Excellent. Just to recap, that's uh, paper retention, neglect, keep everything forever, thinking automation will solve your process problem, silos, and then acquisition and divestitures and the data associated with all of that. If you have any questions, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com or look us up on the web at www.trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune in to our next episode. Also, if you like this episode, please be a champion and share it with people in your social media network. As always, we appreciate you, the listeners. Special thanks goes to Jason Blake, who created our intro music. Sounds great. Thanks, Lee, and look forward to our next conversation, everyone.